This is episode number 100 with Jesse and Amy Hudson of The Exercise Coach. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast. Today I'm joined by Jesse and Amy Hudson, a dynamic husband and wife duo with the exercise coach. Very interesting dynamic here with Jesse being a senior director of franchise development for the exercise coach. So he spearheads franchise development for this brand. Jesse tells a little bit of his story of how he got involved very early on with the exercise coach and has been instrumental in helping the brand grow nationally. And then Amy is the operator behind their three franchise units that they actually own for the exercise coach. So Jesse and Amy are also franchisees. Uh, multi-unit owners currently have three locations open and operating in the Twin City area for the exercise coach. So a lot of good stuff that we cover in this episode. You know, Jesse kind of gives us a good overview of the, the exercise coach as a franchise business opportunity, while Amy shares a lot of what, you know, she's done in their local business to establish them as top performing franchise owners um, also, just talk about the dynamic of, you know, husband and wife team working together in business, you know, having young kids, starting businesses, lifestyle, and everything that comes with that. So really kind of a multifaceted episode here. And uh, I learned a lot talking to Jesse and Amy, and I know that you will too. The other thing we hit on is the fact that Jesse and I both married up, something that neither of us are ashamed of, uh, but we do feel bad for our wives. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Jesse and Amy Hudson of The Exercise Coach. Hey, everyone. Thank you for dropping in here on another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jesse and Amy Hudson, um, a husband and wife duo. I've had the privilege of getting to know Jesse over the last, what, six or seven years, probably um, five or six years at least. And uh excited to have his wife Amy on as well. We're going to be talking about exercise coach and and um I'm excited about this episode guys. I appreciate you making time to join me. There's a lot that we could talk about that I think would be valuable for the audience, but um you know, first let's start you guys kind of introduce yourselves and um you know, Jesse maybe since I know you do this every day in your sleep, give us kind of a a quick overview of what exercise coach is as a business and and as a franchise. Yeah, well, first of all, we're real excited to uh, to be on the podcast. You and I, um, both as couples, have a lot in common yeah. um, with you being in franchise development and your wife being a franchisee. And so we we hit it off when we first met, yeah. probably five years ago on the circuit. But uh, Exercise Coach is, as you would assume, a fitness franchise with the word exercise in it. But it's kind of unique in that it's a one-on-one personal training concept. So it's not a large gym. Don't think like a big box health club. And don't even think like a large group right? Like a boot camp or a CrossFit or, or, right. or something like that. This is one-on-one training. Uh, we do offer some very small group training, but it's very customized. The coach and the equipment are the star. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of unique things about the brand. Uh, number one, the average client age in our system is right around 55, 56 years old. And in the fitness industry, a lot of the hot fitness franchises out there focus on the 20, 30, 40 something demographic. The um, the kind of the uh, the millennial Gen Z, um, uh, you know, sort of age group and exercise coach over 20 years has really focused on um, aging professionals, busy professionals in their 40s and 50s, and then uh, soon to be retirees or active retirees in their 50s, 60s and 70s. And that's a unique demographic. 
that is significantly underserved in the fitness industry. Yeah. The other thing that's unique about the exercise coach is that we have a line of equipment called Exerbotics, which we own in an affiliate company uh, with the franchisor. It's a very closely held uh, sort of two firms that that work hand in hand. And we can offer our franchisees the exclusive right to use that equipment within the retail fitness industry in their territory. And then the equipment's cool in and of itself. I could do a whole, you know, long spiel on that, but basically unique target audience, nobody else is serving unique uh, equipment and service delivery delivery that nobody else can use. And so those two kind of protected moats are kind of unique elements is why exercise coach has done very, very well um, in development over the last four or five years. Yeah, it's really a a fascinating business. And I was thinking about this last night, just kind of jotting some notes down. I was like, I don't I don't even know how I would like classify exercise coach, because like you said, it's not boutique fitness. It's not the the group classes. It's more of that one on one approach. And then the technology is such a, a critical part of, you know, what makes exercise coach as unique as it is. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of you've kind of got this. um this business that I mean, I would almost say there's nothing else quite like it that, you know, you guys would be going head to head with in terms of of competition and and the demographic that you're serving really is underserved in terms of fitness franchise options like most most aging professionals uh, don't want to go sweat with like 30 other people you know, on a bike that three other people have already sweated on all day. Um, so that all makes a lot of sense. And you alluded to this, Jesse, but, you know, tell us a little bit of the story of how you guys got involved with Exercise Coach in the first place, because, Jesse, you're on the franchisor side, right? You work with the franchisor doing franchise sales and development, but you're also franchisees. You guys are in the Minneapolis area, correct? Yep, that's correct. And you're you're now multi-unit owners for, for Exercise Coach, so... Tell us a little bit of how you got involved in the first place. And then, you know, Amy, I'd love to hear from your perspective what it was like when you first started kicking around the idea of becoming franchise owners with the brand as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the the story and then I'll let Amy kind of uh, share our journey of business ownership, because really, as you know, she's the brains and the and the and the uh, the business owner in the family. She runs the studios. I just sell them to other people for a living. That's kind of the, the joke. But <laughs> yep, um, yep. So it all started back in the Chicago area. Um, Amy grew up in Illinois. I grew up in Minnesota. When we got married, we decided to live in Illinois because um, she had a job there and I was um, in grad school. And through a series of events, I met the uh, co-founder and CEO, Brian Sagan. Him and his wife, Jerry Ann Sagan, owned some exercise coach studios in the Chicago suburbs. Mm. We met through church, um, just became friends. You meet people in your your world, right, in, in, in different ways. And yeah. Um, I knew he had this this fitness business that he said he was going to franchise and he was going to get his FDD and I'd never heard that term before and <laughs> working with an attorney to draft an FDD and um, and uh, I was actually looking to change careers I was applying at big companies but um, I've always been entrepreneurial I grew up in an entrepreneurial family my grandfather owned his own businesses and so Amy said you know, Brian is looking to franchise that thing. And you always said it'd be fun to work with him and see if you could help him, you know, uh, start that business. Why don't you call him and see if he's ready to hire? And I did. And, and he was, and so went to work for him. There were four or five locations open when I started uh, the two corporate, the starting locations. And then there were a handful of kind of licensee turned franchisees, but it was really right. a very small system at the time. And that's how we got started. And we had a few bucks in the bank and no franchising experience, but a couple of people, that we're going to work hard and, and figure it out. Um, our next key hire was uh, a COO, Brad Bundy, who's still there today, who really put systems in place. And so we kind of made some key hires, but it was a bootstrap startup franchise with uh, three or four key people um, that got it from four to 40 units. And that's how I got started on the corporate side. And that predated being franchisees. Um, right. And what so, was the time frame of this when when he was kind of la- you know getting the FDD together sure. and, and actually launching the franchise model? 2011 2010 is when he really started franchising 2011 is when i came in so from 2010 2011 to 2017 we managed to get about 40 locations open and operating um so that's huge yeah from four or five to 40 i like to say kind of um which you know sounds impressive and and it really is but you know that's kind of the spot where um, you're big enough to be something, but you really have to keep growing. You've got to start to, oh, yeah. to innovate. And, and so there's a second chapter, obviously, but um, somewhere during that p- 
period of time, Amy got really excited about the concept uh, first as a client, but I'll, I'll let her share that story as well. Yep. So my journey as a franchise owner is it's it's really cool to think back about this. And I love to share this story, honestly. Um, when Jesse started working in the development side with Brian, I got to, as a perk of him doing that, join an exercise coach studio myself. So I became a client, regular client at a studio. At the time, I was a teacher. So I was teaching high school. I had two babies, two young kids, and I was trying to stay in shape. And I didn't really know how to exercise effectively. I was mm -hmm. running. I would take long runs outside. It would be 45 minutes. I'd be all sweaty. I'd have to shower, but all that on top of working full time, um, you know, and then spending four to five, six hours a week exercising just to maintain the status mm -hmm. quo, if you will, um, with my fitness. And so once I heard that this brand offered two 20 minute workouts a week, that's what this, this, uh, exercise coach was all about. I said, man, that sounds too good to be true, but if it yeah. works, like sign me up because that would be amazing. And so I, I started as a client and within six months I was stronger and leaner than I'd been in my whole life doing wow. six of the amount of exercise. And as I, so I saw a personal transformation in my fitness, but then I began to learn about how strength training in particular literally changes the trajectory of people's health for their their life. Mm -hmm. um, it can help to reverse diseases and prevent diseases. Um, and it can, you know, uh, change your brain chemistry. It can um, improve bone density. It can uh, impact your metabolic and hormonal health for the better. And there's, there's a lot it can do. And I thought of people like my dad and, and my parents, where it's like, some people, you know, have the choice of how their retirement will be and how the rest of their life will be. And just 40 minutes of exercise in a meaningful way can, can really make all of the difference for people's quality of life. Yeah. So that to me became a, a powerful motivator that this is actually life-changing. And so I, I believe in it. And when we decided to move to Minnesota, um, we had our two kids, we moved to the Minneapolis, St. Paul area. We decided we wanted to relocate here and raise our family. After we moved, we had one more child. I said, I can't live without the exercise coach in my life. I got to open one. Can we open one? And so we, I became a business owner out of excitement about a brand that I got involved with and, um, you know, learned a lot on hands-on about how to be a business owner after mm -hmm. making that transition from being a teacher. And so, um, you know, it was through a lot of hard work and learning that we got our studios to where they are today, but a franchise provides all of the building blocks that you need, um, to, if you can execute on those building blocks and, and your franchise brand is strong, then it's, you know, I wouldn't say easy to succeed, but it's, it's definitely, um, it takes a lot of the, the guesswork out of it for you. And if you can execute and follow that, that strategy, then you can succeed, I believe. That is, that's such a cool story. Um, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, I, I love that you pointed out, you know, how, how helpful it was, you know, being part of a franchise, especially with it being, you know, your first time owning a business, right? I mean, if you were a teacher before and that's, that's something Jesse, I mean, I'm sure you get this question all the time as you're talking to people that are, you know, exploring different franchise opportunities and they're, they're learning more about exercise coach. I'm sure a lot of people have the misconception, Hey, I don't have a background in fitness. I'm not a, a personal trainer or, uh, you know, I don't necessarily understand all the science behind, you know, how to recommend a fitness regimen for someone. Therefore, you know, how could I own a business like the exercise coach? Um, so speak to that a little bit. And then, you know, Amy, maybe follow that up by just kind of giving us a, a little snapshot of like what a day in your life looks like you know, as a, cause you guys have three studios actually open and operating now, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Three locations. Yeah. So Jesse, I mean, what, what type of franchise owners is exercise actually looking for it? Who does well sure. um, as a franchise owner? Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. Um, and I mentioned this uh, on another interview I did about this question. And it's like, at this point, we actually don't really want personal trainers as franchisees. It, it can work. I don't mm -hmm. want to say it can't work. Um, but in franchising, the franchisor doesn't really want somebody to come in with preconceived notions about what the product or service should be. Yep. They want somebody to come in who is excited to execute, hire a team, do local sales and marketing, who's going to take the playbook and run with it. Mm 
And I equate it to, you know, if you have a coach that comes into a team and the quarterback is like, hey, well, this is the way I did it in college or this is the way I did it, you know, uh, with the last, uh, it's not going to work, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, now, obviously, you don't want to be so rigid that your franchisees can't provide relevant feedback and, and franchisors should be open to understanding how franchisees are doing or whatever. But like Brian Seigen, who is the co-founder and CEO, has been in the fitness industry for 30 years. He literally bought and and runs uh, alongside of this company, a fitness equipment company. He's oh, wow. pro probably one of the foremost experts on the science of strength training in the US. So like, there's not going to be a whole lot of like, you know, interest in debate over what, you know, you think we should be doing, you know, in that regard, nor does it help you as a business owner. So we want you to focus on, um, you know, uh, conversion rate, retention rate, running your KPIs. We want you to focus on loving your coaches so that your coaches can love your clients. We can't make mm. your trainers like working for you. We can't <laughs> hire and put the right people on, on the floor. Um, so you get to work with your people and you get to work with your clients and you get to see these amazing transformations. Um, and, and so that's really what we're looking for. Um, a lot of franchisors would say the same thing, but number one, um, positive mindset just getting things done and moving forward. We want people who see the possibility in things and want to build um, versus, you know, critique or tear down or, 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 or constantly kind of, kind of um, question. We also want folks that are good with people. This is a people mm. business, yeah. right? You're not going to spreadsheet or sort of production calendar your way to profitability in the fitness industry. You do need to have a little bit of interest in KPIs and, and calendar. Obviously there's a little bit of operations, but you are in a people business and you're hiring people, people. So your coaches are mostly people, people, and then your, your product is training people. So we want somebody, they don't have to be a major extrovert or somebody that's going to walk into the room and take over the franchisee doesn't, but they have to have a good intuition of what a good coach would be like, what a good training session would be like, and really enjoy working with people oriented, you know, products and services. And then just the usual follow the systems, get things done. Um, when we ask you to sign your insurance paperwork, just do it. Let's like, let's not have to ask you three times, like all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. we have people from military backgrounds, um, stay at home moms, retirees, people that come out of fortune 500s. We have marketing types and we have engineer types. We have a lot of different backgrounds, but they all believe in the brand. They love what they do. They like their coaches and, and, and employee management. It's not complicated. There's three, four, five, employees in a location. So this isn't a huge staff. Right. So it's a small family orientation. Those are the things we're looking for. Whether or not you have a fitness background is irrelevant. And 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 for us, that's even somewhat irrelevant when we hire a coach or a trainer. We don't even need to hire a coach or a trainer with a fitness background because the brand has such good training and certification on hand that it's much more about the client interaction and the client experience than it is about them coming with a certain background in the fitness industry. That's interesting because I was going to ask about you know, recruiting and and how tough that is. That's a hot topic right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think with any business, because, you know, I work with a lot of people that are evaluating all different types of brands and I hear it all the time. Well, it seems like a great business, but I think it's going to be very hard to find good people. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it will be <laughs> like, that's every the hardest. Yep. Every, that's I don't care what the business is. Finding sure. and keeping good people will be your biggest challenge there's no doubt about it so uh but no it makes a lot of sense and it is counterintuitive for a lot of people but i, I think most franchisors look at it similarly in the sense mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily want sometimes they would even prefer that their franchise owners don't come from whatever industry they're in right yeah um yep. and i think you did a good job of kind of explaining why that is so all right amy let's see how how accurate Jesse's uh, explanation of the role of the owner uh, was. Cause I'd love to hear just kind of what, what does a typical day look like for you? I'm sure, you know, it varies from day to day a little bit, but you know, now as a three unit owner, what does that look like? Cause I'm sure it's different now than it was when you guys were opening your first location, but what does it look like for you today? Yes, Absolutely. So being a multi-unit owner, of course, I have a philosophy of manage the managers. I consider yeah. myself to be a semi-absentee owner who's um, keeping a tight pulse on all three of the businesses, but not working inside of any of the businesses. Mm -hmm. And so 
because that's my mindset, I spend my time focusing on the things that I can do only. So what are the 5% mm -hmm. of things that only you can do as an owner, as the highest kind of on the organizational chart that only you can do and everyone else can do the rest. So my coaching team trains our clients. My managers oversee my coaching team and they oversee our clients. And so my job is, is to work with my managers to make sure the studio is functioning um, the, that, you know, functioning and, and working how we want it to work is our marketing working. Um, how are our conversion rates? How are our retention rates? And then how are our coaches doing? So I believe like we were talking about great people aren't found they're developed. Yeah. And so we spend a lot of time thinking through the development of new coaches that come on to work with us. You know, the managers are very good. They they were chosen for that position for a reason. They get continuous mentoring me, uh, by me, but um, how can we mentor those new coaches? So um, what I do is I meet with my managers once a month and we strategize on how the studio is going. We call them sales and leadership meetings. We reflect on how the studio sales were the previous month, what we're gonna work towards the next month and then leadership of the team as well during those times. Who needs help? What can we do to help them? Whose job is that going to be to give them that additional training? By when will that be done? Those are things I plan and meet on a monthly basis. I also meet with my managers on a weekly basis as well, just to talk about kind of quick KPIs. How are we doing this week? How's the studio doing? Anything you need from me. Um, aside from that, I spend my time working on uh, looking at our KPIs, keeping my books clean, doing some networking within the community as well, um, planning some future marketing efforts um, for that'll impact all three studios, and then spending a lot of time with my kids as well. So I get to kind of dual uh, business owner and mom. I, I spend a lot of time with my kids as well because of the freedom I've created my, for myself by this model that I have. Yeah, well done. I mean, that's that's the dream, right? For most people when they they get into business for themselves is, you know, they want they want more freedom, they want time freedom. Um and a lot of business owners struggle to get there because they get too bogged down working in their business instead of on their business. Um so it sounds like you've done a really really good job of, you know, scaling your businesses putting some really solid teams in place and you really understand, all right, what are the things I as the owner should be focusing on? And then let me delegate everything else. I love what you said. You know, what are the 5% of things that, that only I can do and, and identifying those things. I'm curious how challenging has it been for you to get the business to where it is today? Cause I said this earlier, I'm sure, you know, location number one, your day-to-day -day looked a little bit different than it does today. So has it been difficult for you? I mean, obviously a lot of hard work has gone into it, but were there times where it was hard for you to let go of some of the responsibilities that you may have handled yourself early on that you delegate now? For sure. I think it's very easy for an, a business owner to say, you know, nobody cares as much as I do. And nobody's going to do this as effectively as I'll do it. And so that mindset right there, you have a choice to either keep that and hang on to it and then continue to do everything yourself or to see what you can do to empower other people. Okay, if that's the case, what do my people need to know in order to effectively do this? I would say yes, though, with our first location, um, a lot of it was learning kind of on the fly. I, mm -hmm. you know. There's no way you know exactly um, how to set every system up in the most efficient way until you spend a few months operating mm -hmm. the business and seeing what is important for the studio leader to do or the manager of the site to do on a daily basis to make it work well, right? You have to learn that. And so um, in an ideal world, my goal was to actually open our first business and, and be a owner operator. And, and in there myself and kind of learning those things and then hopefully hiring and training somebody else. But we had a hiccup in that process where um, when we opened our first location, I actually had a baby right before that. We weren't <laughs> planning that. 
yeah, that wasn't that wasn't in the plan that the our older daughters were in school full time. They were in like first and third grade. And so we're like, great, she can work during the day and still be home, you know, at the bus. And then it was we literally were like starting to plan the, the first location. And then we found out we were pregnant. And I remember sitting down at some chain restaurant like a Chili's or something and just going, do you still want to open this business? And she said, yes, but how do we need to do it differently? And I said, well, we're going to need to be a, a manage the manager model. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a different model. So we actually shifted how we were going to run that first location uh, because of that. Um, and I, I remember that conversation that we had to say, I've, yep, we're still going to open this business. So Yeah, I can only relate. We've got three and and the second franchise we got into, we delayed the op- or delayed going to training because we had our second on the way. And then literally i think our second kid was four months old when we found out my wife was pregnant again it's oh. so, literally from the time we signed the franchise agreements to like you know three or four months in we'd had two kids um and it does it it certainly changes things but i don't know it, it almost sounds like maybe that was i mean obviously a blessing because now you have a third beautiful kid but maybe a blessing as well that it kind of almost forced you to start the business with a little more of that. You know, we gotta, we gotta work on the business instead of in it mindset, which, you know, I, like I said, that's the goal for most people, but not, not all business owners get to that point. Totally. And I think there's a separate skill set, right? So running a certain type of business is one skill set, teaching others how to run the business for you is a separate skill set. And that's part of what I'm passionate about today is, um, is helping other business owners to learn how to develop other people mm-hmm. and what needs to happen, you know, identifying what needs to happen and how to actually teach skills that other people can use to basically be your eyes and ears in the business to think like you think if you're not there. And, and, and so if you can hone that in and, and yes, like you said, I did that I developed those systems by necessity, but yeah. I'm so thankful for having that because that is the thing that allowed me to get out of the one unit mindset. You know what? When we first opened our first location, I could not fathom owning more than one. That was like outside of my brain's uh, understanding and awareness of something that could even be possible for me. But then, you know, looking at it five years later, we have three studios that I'm not even in and, um, the the concept of scaling and multi-unit and possibly multi-brand one day totally mind-blowing for me at the time but now i understand you know that it's totally doable and possible yeah it's such a different it really is a different skill set and mindset you know to to be hey like i'm an owner operator you know in this one location or this this one business versus like you said i got to teach other people mm-hmm. how to run this business and and in a way you've got to teach other people to think like you, right? And and make decisions the same way that you would um, without having to constantly come to you and say, hey, what what, what do you want me to do here? Because that, that defeats the purpose if you're constantly having to, you know, essentially micromanage. But, you know, that skill set, you, you alluded to this, you know, continuing to scale, potentially getting into other brands, like that skill set will translate to any other business mm. you guys may want to do, right? We've already talked about the fact that if especially in franchising, you don't really need industry experience, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jesse, you work with franchise fast lane, which we may touch on more. You could probably go and look at any of the franchise fast lane brands that they work with. And, you know, Amy, you would be a successful owner with any of those brands mm-hmm. because of the skill set that that you've developed. Um, so what what was kind of the the time frame for you guys to get from your first location to now having, having three, how, how long uh, did it take to get to that point? Sure. Yeah. We opened our first location in 2017. Okay. And we opened our second location in 2019. So there's about two years between there. I would say the first year in the first location, we were just kind of getting our feet underneath us. Right. And I think by the end of that first year, we saw that the business was, was largely running itself we still needed to kind of help it so the first year was a lot of us just learning how to do what we just talked about yeah we launched the second location in october 2019 and then the whole world shut the fitness industry down in march of 2020 yep and then we reopened our two studios one that was we had one that was mature like it it had been running for three years a really stable client base and then we had this brand new franchise location that had been open for five months so 
We launched the second store in October of 2019. We had a great first six weeks until uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas is slow in fitness. It's slow in a lot of industries, except for, you know, retail products, obviously. But yeah, um, and we knew that we knew launching in the fall, we get this really nice, the fall is a good time to acquire customers in the fitness industry. And then of course, the first six months of the year, January through May is, is another good time. So we thought launch in the fall, get some clients, take a little holiday break from selling, 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 and then go in and just kill it in Q1 and Q2. We were actually killing it in Q1, January, February of 2020. Um, we were really excited and we were starting to look at our, we were actually, we called our real estate broker and we're like, Hey, let's start to poke around for number three. Wow. And then of course COVID hit. And I remember that time because we just went, there's nothing we can do. Um, and we don't know the future. And actually we spent a ton of time just like it was March, April. So it was just coming out of winter here in Minneapolis. We would go on hikes with the kids and we were just trying to be positive instead of like freaking out and, and all that stuff. We reopened yeah. in June um, we got most of our clients in both stores back pretty quickly, really? um, partly because it's one-on-one, -on -one, right? And partly because this is like, for our clients, this is one of the most important things they spend their money on. Mm. Like, you know, Wes, you're a young, young fit guy, you know, you could, you could have a gym membership and go, you know what, we're going to save 30 bucks a month and cancel a gym membership, but you'd probably be okay with it. Cause you could work out in your, in your, your house or in your backyard. But when you get in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and your workout is literally keeping you off of medication or keeping you yeah. being able to play with your grandkids, it's a much more personal, important thing. So we rebounded pretty well. And over the summer, we actually got back to where we were before COVID. We got our businesses basically back. Um, and then Minnesota shut us down again, November, December. <laughs> so we had a second one more. Yeah. yeah and, oh. and, um, I will say to the state of Minnesota's credit, they actually gave us, um, a, an apology check for each location. So they, they oh, did really? take care of businesses and industries the second time around. I, I do want to point that out, but yeah. it wasn't fun. The second time around, we're like, okay, well, here we go again. Yeah. I've seen this movie already. Yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> um, but by January of 21, we got like, I don't know. I don't want to quote a number, but virtually every client that was at that point, you weren't going to you, the people who weren't willing to come out into the world at that point had already self-selected. So we got our businesses back pretty much right away. And then by, by middle of 21, we're like, we're doing really well last summer. And so we, uh, we opened our our third location in September of, of 2021. So 17, 19, 21, I think that there's probably 12 to 18 months in there that wouldn't be there had COVID not happened, obviously. Sure, um, sure. But the franchise was incredibly generous and supportive during COVID. The business model did pretty well once we reopened. It was a lot easier to run a personal training business than it was a large gym or a group health, a group yeah, studio. Absolutely. And and our system, system-wide, I think almost half of our stores, we have about 160 some odd locations open right now. Okay. I think 80 of them. 80 of them have opened since May of 2020. So post COVID half our system is open. So the brand didn't really slow down in development, which was a testament, I think, to the way they handled it. Um, and so that's kind of the timeline that we've gone through. And, and I want to give Amy a lot of credit because she's, she's a voracious um, sort of, uh, she likes to solve problems and she's done a lot of work in, in getting herself to the point where she is that managed manager. She's read tons of books, listened to tons of podcasts. I mean, she really wanted to know what do I need to get better at to do that? And yeah. I think that as your business develops, I, I think one, one big thing is like, how can I get better um, as a, as a business owner, my mindset, my leadership skills, my ability to organize, to delegate, it doesn't just happen. No. And it's an intentional strategy that I've seen in her, you know, she's gone from kind of nervous and and I don't really know numbers. I don't really know P and L's. I'm, I'm a little bit kind of never hired employees before to a completely in control business owner, but there was a lot of work involved and she took that on. And I think yeah. That's important to, to, to mention as well, because a lot of franchise buyers say, well, if the systems are there, then I can just hire a manager and hand them the playbook. And it's like, well, we're at that point where it is true, but the owner has to be a certain type of mindset and a certain type of mentality. And, and that just takes time to develop. So I would encourage anybody who wants to get to that point to like, look at yourself as a potential limiting factor and work on yourself a little bit as well. Yeah, it's such a good point. And, you know, the, the owner has to set the tone, right? with with the team like you you said it earlier Jesse you're like as the franchisor we can't make your employees like you like if you're yeah, a jerk yeah. or if you just don't don't seem like you care or really invest the time like you're gonna have employees that probably don't really care that much and are only 
you know, halfway doing their, their job. And I think that's what some, some franchise buyers maybe don't fully recognize is like, yeah, there may be great systems, great processes, but it's up to you to, to set the tone. I mean, one of the best analogies I've ever heard of franchising is, and I'll make this short because I think I've probably said this on the podcast numerous times, but <laughs> like it's, it's the franchisor's job to build the bike, right? And it's all different types of bikes, right? Depending on what you want a bike for, right? But it's the franchisor's job to build the best bike possible. But you could have, you know, the nicest, fanciest, flashiest, fastest bike ever made. If you don't get on it and pedal it, it goes nowhere, right? And if you get it on it and you just kind of half-ass pedal it, like it'll go, but it's not going to break any records. Yep. You get on and pedal your ass off, like a good bike will go really far and and really fast. And so I think that's that's important. And yeah, you know, Amy, credit to you for really becoming a student of, you know, how do I become a leader? How do I, you know, really understand my business? And that's something I wanted to to point out as well, because both of you've talked about, you know, as an owner, you gotta, you gotta be able to look at KPIs. Right. And I think a lot of people hear that. Cause we, we say these, this all the time in franchising, mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know, as an owner, like part of what you're going to be doing is like looking at the, that's more than just like pulling up a dashboard and being like, Oh, our conversion rates, this, or our retention rate is this it's, yep. you got to know the KPIs, but then y'all have to know a, what does that mean for your business? And B, what can we do to improve these mm-hmm. KPIs, right? Mm-hmm. I always think about it as every business has levers, right? And it's the owner's job to understand what levers they have the ability to pull on mm-hmm. to drive better results, right? And and to have a, a positive impact on the bottom line. So it's a lot more than just because I think people, you know, they hear that like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta look at KPIs. So what I look at a dashboard once a day, it's like, well, sure. That's where it starts, but there's there's so much more to it than that. So um, I'm curious, you know, for both of you, but but Amy, I mean, you were a teacher before you guys decided to become franchisees for exercise coach. Was there was there what I call FUD? Was there, you know, some fear, uncertainty and doubt at play, you know, as you guys were kind of making that decision uh, to actually sign on the dotted line and and you walk away from you know, a career that, that you, I assume had been doing for a while and were comfortable in and kind of going into, to uncharted waters. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know how you could make a big transition like that and not have any of that. Yeah. Totally normal, totally yeah. normal. However, the, the reward, you know, on the other side is completely, um, 180 degrees, you know, being a teacher, I was making a certain salary, but I was working X amount of hours and I was, had to be a certain place, you know, at X time and, and leave at Y time. And I, I was working for somebody else. You had to put up with high schoolers. God bless you. I mean, you know, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) uh, But if you can, if you can find a business that you can run and you can make profit profitable, um, you can make quite a bit more money, you know, and do a lot less time. And so, um, the, the question is, I I was always a person where, you know, teaching was sort of like, check all these boxes and jump through all these hoops, and then you'll make a certain amount of money is very predictable. Do X and then you'll get Y result. Yeah. And business ownership. I wished it was like that. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But not everything can be spelled out for you. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things that the franchisor can give you, mm-hmm. but like you said, Wes, like you have to take the information that they provide, the KPI numbers that they're showing you, the playbook that they give you, and then execute on it and decide for yourself what that means yeah. in order for your business to get off the ground. But if if you can take the same grit or motivation that you have to like learn how to do your previous job and do it to the best of your ability, then you can take that same mindset and apply it towards business ownership. If you like to learn, if you look at what you could call a failure and look at it as simply information or an experiment, right? Like, oh, that yeah. didn't work on how you can get better. Mm-hmm. You can keep your emotional um, roller coaster out of it because that keeps people paralyzed a lot. Yeah. And just grow then and grow and learn and improve. And I think that's a great way to do it. Well said. 
Well said. Um, yeah, and you know, the beauty of being going through this journey as part of a, a good franchise system is you've got a support network around you, and it's a lot more than just the franchise org, right? You know, because mm-hmm. it is a roller coaster and you need a lot of grit because you know it doesn't matter how how much of a student you are and and you know learning to be a great leader and and business owner like you're gonna have some bad days right and you know you may have like i don't know a global pandemic that kind of pops up out of nowhere and shuts (laughs) your business down that you gotta you know figure out how to navigate that it's really nice to have other people that are in the same business as you and you know have experienced the same challenges that you can just sometimes they're able to obviously give you advice and and help you figure something out Sometimes it's just nice to be able to have someone to talk about with it, <laughs> talk yeah, with about it and and they get it, you know? So I think that's, that's something that people sometimes miss, miss out on if, you know, they're not, they're, they're thinking about the, if they're researching a franchise, thinking about the numbers and, and all mm-hmm. of that. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people don't fully understand how valuable the, the culture amongst the franchisees can yeah. be, you know, if, yeah. if a brand's really, kind of intentionally cultivated that that kind of culture of shared learning and and you know franchisees wanting to help each other that's a game changer it really yeah. is um well and and you know a franchise a good franchise because there's yeah. lots of different kinds of franchises out there yeah yeah um but a a good franchise system allows you to not have to work on the systems as much mm. right yeah so like yeah. The, the mindset stuff and the leadership stuff and the delegation stuff and focusing on KPIs, we can focus on KPIs because our franchisor handed us a dashboard and they give us 90 day business reviews throughout the life of our business ownership career with a, with a franchise business coach who also happens to be a franchisee. And um, we can focus on marketing effectiveness because we have a marketing system at corporate that generates leads entirely for us. So we just have to focus on lead to prospect, prospect to, or prospect to lead to prospect, prospect conversion, and then retention. Yeah. So what I would say is, you know, a good franchise system might put you on second base, right? You, you, you're already, you're already halfway there. Um, it doesn't make money for you, nope. but if we had to go figure out our brand and pricing and where to buy equipment and how to do digital Facebook marketing and whatever, we wouldn't be able to focus on these things that, that she's talking about. And so it's a, it's a synergistic, right? It's a synergistic thing. And you know, this, when you look across the franchise system, there are people that are running their business with freedom. And there are people that feel like they're there 80 hours a week and they're, they own the exact same business. Right. right. So it's, it's, but you you give credit to the franchisor for putting those in place and then you go, okay, this is what I have. Now, how can I take the ball kind of from there? And going back to your first question, not reinventing the system. When you get bogged down in, in challenging or reinventing the system, you're not doing the thing which Amy has done, which is saying, okay, I'm going to execute lead and, and get better as a business owner. And so when you're evaluating franchises, um, you know, make sure the systems and processes are there and then go, okay, now that they're there, um, it's my football. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta run to the end. I just mixed baseball and, and football. I think analogies, yeah. but, um, sports, <laughs> exactly. Sports, 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 and, you know, and, and there are some people that are okay coming into a system that isn't fully built out. Yeah. And there's yeah. some, you know, this, there's some candidates that you work with that, that they're going to need a mature system, um, and, and everything in between. So evaluate what the franchise or offloads off your plate. Uh, and, and how much of that works and doesn't through validation, et cetera. And then like, and then do what they don't do for you really well. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where it works. That's where the franchisee franchise or relationship, I think well, works. It's, it's a really good point because I mean, not, not all franchises are created equally and, and, you know, naturally sure. brands evolve. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I would imagine the systems that you guys have with exercise coach today are very, very much more evolved and mm-hmm. and fully baked than it was, you know, back in 2011, 2012, when, when you were first getting started, right? That's oh, normal. Yeah. That's, 100%. that's, you know, every brand is that way, but you know, there's some brands that don't evolve as much as they should, or just aren't really focused on it. So it is something that, that, you know, when you're researching a franchise, you need to really understand, okay, what, because every franchise is going to talk to you about systems and processes, right? Like it's yep. just, it's part of the language any brand uses. So it's really digging in and saying, okay, what are these systems and processes and you know, how, how effective are they? 
Um, it's a really good point. So, you know, speaking of that, I want to, I do want to make sure we have a little bit of time here focused on the exercise coach franchise opportunity. So, um, Jesse, just kind of give us, you know, the, some of the key things that, you know, if, if someone is evaluating, say a variety of different franchise businesses, we already kind of talked about, you know, what exercise coach looks for in their franchise owners, but, you know, what are some of the the things that, you know, your franchisees love about the business mm-hmm. model? Um, yeah. what, are, what are some of the key takeaways there? Yep. So number one, uh, franchisees that, that, um, come into the exercise coach, almost all, every one of them are is looking for a meaningful business. And that, that's not to say that there are uh, that other things aren't meaningful, but you know, there are some buyers who don't super much care what the product or service is. Just want to um, make money. Yeah. Which is totally fine. Like, I don't yeah. think that's better or worse than anything else, but, yeah. um, my candidates that gravitate towards it, they're like, we want to find a profitable business, but we also want to make sure that it's something that we feel like contributes to the community or whatever. So the contribution piece, the doing good piece, the health and wellness, somebody that would look into kid franchises or franchises with, with senior care pets or whatever fitness that all kind of has that, that feel good element. If I get on a call with somebody, it's like, I don't care what it is. I'm just interested in the numbers. I'm like, look, our numbers can be good when you dive into it, but you probably not going to be a good fit. And and that's usually kind of predictive what, uh, of that. What about when you get on the phone with someone, they're like, so Jesse, tell me, tell me how much money is, is exercise coach going to make for me? I say, I don't know much about you yet. I don't know how good you'd be at running a business. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. after four or five calls, I'll let you know if I think you'd yeah. be good at running this business. Yeah. Can't answer that question. It's not in our item 19. But yeah. We do have a lot of information in our item 19 where you can build your own model. Um, you, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I get it. Like you want to know the numbers. It's a, it's an investment, like, and, and a good franchisor will have some numbers to share with you and a process for giving you those numbers and all that stuff. Um, so contribution, uh, number two, I would say good team leadership, right. Uh, yeah. as we mentioned before, somebody who sees the three to five year plan. Mm. And this is true in general of brick and mortar businesses. They take six to 12 months to open. And then you start with maybe zero customers or people, you know, clients or whatever. And then you have to build that up. Yeah. The upside to a brick and mortar business like this, and there are other others that are true is that you can build a very stable long-term business where you focus mostly on retention because it's membership based. So you're not selling, selling, selling every day. So somebody who wants to see a business where they know they need to sell and they need to, but the customer comes to them the franchisor drives marketing. They can help their team learn how to sign people up. And then it's more about customer service than it is about getting getting new new business. And I'll contrast that to service brands, which mm-hmm. became real hot the last two years. You know this, you own a couple of service brands. Service became hot because of COVID and there it's a necessary thing. And there's a lot of reason, other reasons why service works. And I work uh, with some candidates on another service brand here at Fastlane. But that is every day you wake up, you got to get a new customer. Right. You're all you're out there selling a lot because it's not there are some services that have recurring revenue, but most of them don't. Most don't. Um, Right. So building a healthy culture and a little store with with a good profitable P&L and keeping it there for many years, if that's their vision long term, um, that that definitely works. Um, And then the, the final part, I would say, is somebody who sees their role in the business as leading and delegating and not necessarily as that full time job. So we do have some people that work full-time in the business and they love it. A lot of times that's a retirement business. They're at retirement age and yeah. they just something to do. run a fun business. Yeah. They like, yep. they have fun doing it. Yep. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, that's, that, good. that's the final piece of it. Yeah. That's, that's a really good kind of overview. So, you know, membership model, a lot of people do like that because you've got kind of the, the recurring revenue. I mean, yep. what you shared about your locations and how quickly, you know, your membership, kind of bounce back after COVID to me is a a testament of, you know, the, the program that, that your clients are getting really works. And like you said, it's, they take it very seriously and they've kind of got this void in their life if they're not able to, to do it. So talk to me a little bit more about the actual technology and and some of the science. We wouldn't have to get too into the weeds on the science, but it really is because I mean, Amy, you said it's what two 20 minute workouts a week it it almost does sound too good to be true 
But <laughs> as I've learned a little bit more about the actual equipment and the technology and stuff, like it's it it's really powerful and it's a big differentiator uh, compared to a lot of the other fitness options out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the technology, you won't find it anywhere else, any other place um, in fitness. And we love that, right? When people walk through the door. So Exrobotics is the technology that is really empowers the two 20 minute sessions. They, our equipment is computerized robotic equipment, and it is set to, um, we are able to do a ton with it. So when somebody first comes in, we are able to set the piece of equipment up to their exact range of motion. That's that's appropriate for their body, including any joint limitations, any orthopedic concerns. Once we save the positions for our clients, those are stored in, in the machine and the machine sets up to them. Second, we are able to measure and test their existing strength levels using the equipment. So we're, we're giving them a simple strength test on the screen where we're measuring their force output in real time to see how strong they currently are in their, that muscle group. And then when they exercise, they're able to see in real time on a screen in front of them, a goal that we set for them to work at every second of that exercise until it's over to make sure they're working at the right level of intensity to get the desired outcome from that exercise in that muscle group. It's precise based on their existing strength. And then it progresses with them as they get stronger. Every time they come back in, their goal changes a little bit because they've gotten stronger. And when we challenge our muscles in that way, where we're depleting them and we're challenging them um, and fatiguing them and asking them to do all they can do, what happens is we go home and they, our muscles adapt, they build, they get stronger in response to that challenging exercise that we asked them to do. And so when we come back in, because our muscles have gone through that adaptive process, we can do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's amazing because we are able to capture people's improvements over time with concrete data. We can show you on the screen. Hey, you, Wes, you started at this, this place and now your lower body is 30% 30% stronger in six weeks. That is amazing. I'll bet you are feeling the impacts of that in your everyday life, huh? And mm-hmm. our clients can see that and love it. So that's something our, that's what our technology can do. That is, yeah, it's so cool. And I, I imagine that, you know, every client being able to really kind of track and see their progress is very motivating for them because, mm-hmm. you know, you're most clients, you're probably getting stronger before you can necessarily like see a lot of changes, just like looking at yourself in the mirror. Right. So it can be frustrating for someone if they've not been working out or training and then they get into it and like three weeks in, they're like, God, I'm working so hard, but like, I don't, I don't look any different, but if you can kind of show them through this technology, like, Hey, here's the actual progress you're making. I'm sure for a lot of people, that's going to be enough motivation for them to keep going and keep working at it until they do start actually seeing the results as well as, as feeling them. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to post a link to the exercise coach website and the show notes for this episode. Um, I'd encourage the listeners to go check it out. They've got some good pictures and stuff. So you can get a sense of kind of what, what a location would look like the type of Mm -hmm. equipment that we're using. It looks like you've got the, the technology kind of integrated with the equipment. Um, so it's pretty cool, but I think seeing it will, will definitely help the listeners get a better, idea of kind of what what we're talking about here but you know jesse you mentioned brick and mortar right um and and that's you know when i talk to candidates we kind of start by talking about look you've got these brick and mortar type franchises and you've got service-based franchises sure Sure. as far as brick and mortar goes i mean we don't have to get into specific numbers but this is a pretty low Mm -hmm. capital requirement compared to most other brick and mortar. We're not talking like a, you don't need a huge location for this. Um, and, and it's, so that's, I guess one of the things that other people find attractive about it, right. Is it's not, not crazy expensive to get one of these up and running. Yeah. Our initial investment is lower than I don't, I haven't run into a a, a fitness franchise with a lower initial investment. It's possible that it's out there, but, um, we're definitely on the low side because the space is relatively small. You need 800 to 1500 square feet. Um, 1200 is a good size to kind of keep in mind 1200 to 1500. So that's the size of a small Starbucks or a very small hair salon. If you want, if you don't kind of know what square footage feels like in your mind, just walk into a real small 
but cafe or bakery or yeah. any, any strip mall, you know, each of those is usually a thousand, 2000 square feet. And we can go into non-retail. In fact, we prefer it in a lot of cases. So we have this thing that we call the suite model, S-U-I-T-E, which is um, versus the studio model. And mm -hmm. they're not different size businesses. They can both have the same amount of equipment, the same amount of clients, the same amount of coaches. So it's not like bigger versus smaller. It's more but there's such, there's such a difference when you look at the numbers in the build-out costs and the rent between a retail and an office space that it's worth it for us to separate them out when we disclose the financials in our FDD, because, um, you know, the average rent, I think currently in our FDD, the difference is a thousand dollars a month between retail versus office. And the average build out is significantly different as well. So you can go in, let's say you're in a high end area. Let's say you're in, um, I don't know, the North suburbs, North shore suburbs of Chicago or West LA or something where retail is just crazy expensive. You can go into a second floor office building next to a, you know, podiatrist or down the, the hallway from a counselor or from an Edward Jones advisory a, a office, yeah. medical office space and pay half the rent. And the reason that that works and no sign above the door, two of our three locations in the twin cities are in office buildings that are, that there's no exterior signage and people really? are like, oh. yeah, people are like, Oh, that's scary. And I'm like, well, when was the last time you hired a, a a tutor for your kid because it was next to the grocery store you went to? When, <laughs> right. Like when we're talking yeah. about really professional personal purchases, things like massage therapy, chiropractic, um, orthodontic uh, tutors for your kids, you know, you're not going to choose that based on a strip mall signage. I certainly hope not. Maybe you see yeah. it and you Google it, but this is a this is a longer sort of more of a cons consultation based sale. So we get almost all of our prospects through Facebook, Instagram, Google posts that the franchisor does for us. So the prospect comes in on a Facebook ad and, and calls, we call them and say, Hey, thanks for reaching out, Wes. This is exercise coach. Um, we're, we can't wait to give you your two free sessions. And they don't care if we're in an office building or retail, as long as the address shows up on their phone or in their car's GPS. And once they sign up, it's about the equipment and the and the and the and the coaches. So we don't see a difference in revenues. We don't see a difference in any metrics based on the building. But if you're in that that office environment, um, it's it's cheaper to operate. And in a lot of places right now, small office spaces are becoming more and more available because a lot of those small office tenants are saying. Hey, we've been working from home for two years. We're not going to renew our leases. And so it's actually, it's market to market dependent, sure. but I'm seeing some areas when I do franchise, like real estate searches where there's just tons of it available right now. So yeah, the, the ability to be flexible with the cost of real estate has been a huge benefit to us when the rest of the fitness industry was getting bigger and, and, and more expensive. We kind of went the other way, even pre pandemic. And it's turned out to be one of the reasons why we maintained our growth throughout the last two or three years. Yeah, that's a really, really interesting point. And I'm glad you you touched on it because, you know, not having to have that kind of prime mm -hmm. location, good visibility and all of that. I mean, you know, if, if you have a restaurant, like, you know, you're kind of relying on people coming yep. on a whim, right? You need yep. to be visible, easy to get to. Um, but yeah, you're not you're not finding people or, or you're not relying on people just, you know, passing by being like, oh, exercise coach been meaning to go try that you know yeah let me pop i need in a trainer it's convenient yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so it all makes good sense but it is a game changer when we're looking at you know how much capital is is a business like this going to require yeah um far less right so that's yes. a really yes. interesting point i'm curious well, and, and real quick sorry yeah. it, it makes us i mean our initial investment is very competitive with a lot of those service brands yeah yeah yeah. so it it's is. funny i end up getting put in with people looking at service um <laughs> Because it's the same price point and people think brick and mortar is just, just going to be more expensive than a service brand that needs two vans and, and four employees. And you look at initial investment and ours is very competitive with your with your lower investment service brands. And, and that's another reason why over the last couple of years, we've maintained a, a really strong candidate flow as well. Yeah, it all makes sense. And I think one of you mentioned this earlier, but kind of a, a mature location, you need what, three to three to five people, including a manager. Is that about right? Yeah. 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 About four to five for yeah. a full studio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're not, not a huge HR mm -hmm. footprint. Um, there's a lot, lot to like about this, this business. And then we already mentioned the, the membership model with recurring revenue. That's mm -hmm. very attractive. Um, you know, my, my wife would tell you that in service businesses, one of the most frustrating things is the first day of every month. 
<laughs> where you're at zero again you have a record month the month before that's awesome but then first of the month you're right back at zero and and you got to build it back up um yeah, yeah. so that's that's attractive as well i'm curious are most of your owners with exercise coach now multi-unit owners or planning to be multi-unit owners or is there a mix we have a really interesting mix. I, I, you know, I don't have the exact numbers, but I would just guess that half our franchisees are owner operator, half are our managed okay. manager. So good half mix. Half are multi unit, half are single unit. Yeah. So what? I, when I get on the phone with the candidate, I say, listen, my first goal is to understand what you're trying to accomplish with a potential franchise purchase, and I can put you in touch with a franchisee that likely is doing it the way you want to do it at the right point in the process for validation. Right. Because we have hundred over 160 locations open. We're currently the largest personal training franchise in a, in the country, um, which is crazy to say that, you know, it, 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 it snuck up on us over 11 years, but uh, overnight success, right, Wes? Yeah. Um, but um, so we have such a good variation within the ownership base. Um, this year, I think we've opened 25 or 30 locations and almost half of them have been people's second or third or fourth location. Oh, so awesome. we're getting to that point now where, uh, and I think I mentioned it at the last conference I saw yet, we're getting to the point where we have a lot of our multi-unit owners getting their multi-units open. And I'll just say this, a plug for Brad uh, and Brian and the rest of the leadership team at Exercise Coach. They have given incredibly gracious extensions on all of our multi-unit owners that came in pre-COVID. Um basically if they have a path to getting their second or third store open, even if it's maybe a few years past their deadline, they're working with them and because they want to people to be able to get back to where they wanted to be. And so, you know, we're a year behind on the multi-unit developers compared to if a pandemic hadn't happened, but sure. we're getting there now. And that's really fun. Some of these people, I'll just tell a quick story. We had a couple in, uh, in Ohio, both of them, high level executives for a fortune 500 company, like just high flyers. Uh, kids, uh, super engaging couple. They they bought a three unit development pre COVID. They opened their first one pre COVID. They just opened their second one. She quit a very impressive executive salary to run the businesses mm. and spend more time with their kids. And now they're looking at opening the third location. So when you can see like they bought this, this was their plan, and now they're executing on it and getting to that point. We have so many cool stories just developing right now in that in that arena. It's also a good single unit owner operator model. If you're in a smaller market or you just want a fun business to run, like nothing wrong with that. So if yeah. that's the candidate, I tell them, I'm not going to try to upsell you. I want to, I want this to fit, but we are probably half multi-unit, half single owner. Um, so a lot of different types of people fit into the model, which is good. Yeah. A lot. It sounds like there's, there's, you know, an option for almost anyone, um, you know, yeah, if, if they feel close, the business yeah. is, is a good fit. So yeah, I like that a lot. And you know, those, those stories are great. I'm sure it is a lot of fun, especially, you know, for you guys being involved so early on an exercise coach to really see, you know, a lot of these multi-unit owners starting to actually execute the plan because COVID yep. I'm sure, you know, messed up some timelines and everything, mm -hmm. but you know, I, I tell candidates, you know, right now I'm like, look, researching franchises post COVID is so valuable because, mm -hmm you get to talk to owners, you know, assuming they were in the business pre COVID, they're going to tell you, you know, did their franchisor really step up and yeah. like help them through this challenging, uncertain time? Was the franchisor willing to, you know, work with them? Um, or did the franchisor just kind of put their head in the sand and, and leave the franchisees to figure it out? Like you're going to hear from franchise yes. owners, what that experience was like. And I mean, no better way to really, get a good feel for, you know, who you would be partnering with as, as a franchisee and, and how the franchise or so I, I love hearing stories like that. And, and it sounds like the leadership team with exercise coach really, really stepped up and did everything in their power to, to help you guys as franchisees through, through a tough time. Um, guys, this has been awesome. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time and anything that, you know, maybe we haven't touched on that you think would be valuable for the, the audience to hear, whether about exercise coach specifically or just business ownership and in, in general, um, anything that, that you think would be worth sharing? 
Uh, I would say a plug plug for our exercise coach podcast, which my wife co-hosts with our founder. So if you do have questions on the science and the workout and all that stuff, we do have a podcast as well. I love there. that you but, guys are doing that. I will put a link to that. It, sure. it looks like there's a, a podcast tab on the website, but I'll put a link to the website yeah. and and the podcast in the show notes, make it easy for people to uh, to find that. But yeah, I love seeing brands do do podcasts like that. I think it's Get really, content uh, out there. Yeah, yep. really beneficial. Yep. Yeah. And, and I would just say, I love, I, I, ever since you, um, you went from development to more consulting Wes, I love, you have the best name for your business path to freedom. And so to conclude, that's what franchising can give you is a path to freedom. And obviously, as we talked about execution and running your business the right way, and I think you give your candidates a path to the right fit for them. And so I am a big, big fan of working with a, a knowledgeable consultant, especially somebody like you, that's like, you actually own franchises. So you've signed franchise agreements, you've been a franchisor, you've been a franchisee, you're now helping other people guide through that. And um, I believe freedom is not a, a yes or no, but it's a, it's a, it's a continuum. Mm. Um, and so as we grow in our business, we want to become more and more free to do what we want to do. There's always going to be requirements. There's always going to be things. Commitment is the other side of freedom. Um, but you can, you can slowly over time, build that lifestyle you want with the right franchise and that path that you walk, uh, to, to get to the freedom that you want for yourself, for your family, financially, and time-wise definitely should start with a great consultant like you and a great brand or, or series of brands to look at. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very possible. It's very, very possible. And it just takes time and effort and commitment. And, uh, and we're so glad we did it. There's times where we look back and go, that was scary or, or whatever. But now we're like, our friends are like kind of jealous of, of, of Amy's lifestyle. And it's like, oh, it, I bet. Again, I bet. didn't happen overnight, but it's definitely possible. And so I just want to give folks encouragement out there that like, franchising is a great vehicle. You need to drive it, drive, you know, you need to ride the bike, you need to build the house, but they're going to give you the plans. And, um, and, and I love what you're doing. So, yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, helping people navigate this whole process. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fun for me working with great brands like exercise coach and getting to know people, um, like you that are like-minded and, you know, we're all kind of working towards the same, ultimate goal freedom um i think that looks a little bit different for for each individual but uh i think at the end of the day it's what what we're all you know working towards so um really appreciate you guys making time to do this um amy great to finally meet you uh glad to confirm that jesse did in fact marry up in a huge way <laughs> just like i did um 100%. I feel, I feel bad for, uh, for, for you and my wife, Amy, um, because, uh, Jesse and I are the <laughs> ones that, that, you know, hit the lottery and married up, but no, you guys have a, such a cool story. It's, it's inspiring. And, um, I know anyone who listens to this is going to get a ton of value from it. Um, put links to, uh, exercise coach website podcast in the show notes. People can go there and check it out. If you're interested in being a client, potentially, It'll tell you where they've got locations and how to get mm -hmm. in touch with them. And uh, if you didn't gather this from listening to Jesse, he's he's an expert when it comes to helping someone evaluate a franchise opportunity. So if what you heard about Exercise Coach is interesting from a business ownership standpoint, reach out to me. I can get you connected with Jesse and uh, you'll be in very good hands with him. But thank you guys. Really appreciate you dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Keep up the great work. Keep doing everything you're doing. Thanks, Wes. Thanks. It was, it was our pleasure. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2.com frdm.com and if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello feel free to contact me at wes at path the number two frdm.com thanks again now go drop in <laughs>